You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat. everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. We continue with our off-season shows and coming up on this week's show, we'll hear from Indians first base coach Sandy Alomar Jr. Great news earlier this week, Sandy signing for the next couple of seasons, a contract extension to stay with the Indians. And uh, obviously each fall there are some other opportunities for a very highly respected coach and potential major league manager down the road who knows but uh, sandy signing a contract extension with the indians earlier this week and we'll talk to him about that and other things as we get rolling with tribe talk we'll also hear from matt quatero he's the indians assistant hitting coach but for our purposes this week he's also the manager of the scottsdale scorpions in the arizona fall league that's where several of the indians top prospects are playing fall ball this year and That's certainly a great thing for them as the Arizona Fall League, a top-shelf prospect league. And usually, if you are playing in the Arizona Fall League, the major leagues come calling not too too far after that. So we'll see if that happens with some of the best that the Indians have sent out there. We'll also get a full update on the Fall Classic, the World Series, heading into Game 4 on Saturday night with the Royals in front two games to one over the New York Mets. That's all coming your way as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Meet Peter. Hello? Peter is about to round out his bobblehead collection. Just need one more. But he'll go below his account's minimum balance and get charged a fee. Minimum balance fee? Yep, because of a wiggly little statue. Switch to a KeyBank hassle-free account with no monthly minimum balance or overdraft fees. Get full details at key.com slash switch now or any KeyBank branch. Member FDIC and banking home of the Indians. Tribe fans, you can become a season ticket holder for less than $40 a month. Make a deposit today to receive up to 20% off single-game tickets and priority access to opening day tickets and postseason games. Season ticket holders also get access to exclusive VIP player events and more. Don't miss a minute of the action. Get the best seats, the best prices, and the best perks with Indian season tickets. Call 216-420-HITS or visit Indians.com to find out more. It's Flo, and this is my impression of a traveling lounge singer. And we're going up the airport escalator. Hey, where are you from? 
<laughs> no response. Classic. Got in an accident, so you gotta take a cab, huh? No cabs at Progressive Service Centers. They got rental cars on site, which is out of sight, you know? <laughs> Progressive takes the hassle out of claims. Just drop your car off at one of our service centers, and we'll manage the rest. Here's a little number I like to call. Waiting for the shuttle bus. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Service centers not available in all areas. You have a choice of repair facilities. What shade is your team spirit? Are your lucky blue socks unwashed from last week's win? Is your ninth inning charm a green hat that looks best inside out? Is your faded brown mitt held high for that white comet hurling directly toward please let it be seat number 127? Or do you prefer to simply sit back and paint your seat with tan peanut shells? Whatever your shade of team spirit, you'll find the colors that reflect it only at Sherwin-Williams. Visit your neighborhood store or sherwinwilliams.com today. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland as we continue our off-season shows. The Baseball World Series still ongoing and coming up later on in our show, we'll have a full recap on what's been going on and what has been an entertaining series so far heading into Game 4 on Saturday night. But first, some more news that is a little bit closer to home. Sandy Alomar Jr. re-signing with the Indians a contract extension earlier this week, a two-year deal with an option for a third year, and that comes after a fall in which the Chicago White Sox had called the Indians and received permission to talk to Sandy about a bench coach position. The White Sox making a move there with Mark Parent being relieved of his duties at the end of the season for manager Robin Ventura. But as we'll find out from Sandy shortly, it just wasn't the right fit, plus a lot of good things happening here. And, of course, when the Indians put together their coaching staff and have Sandy Alomar a part of that, that is big for fans of the ball club. As Sandy, one of the most popular players in Cleveland Indians' recent history and certainly a popular member of their coaching staff, this coming season will be his seventh on the Tribe coaching staff, this time as their first base coach, as he was a season ago. Great baseball family, of course. His dad, a 15-year major leaguer back in the 60s and 70s, and his brother Roberto, a Hall of Fame career over 17 seasons, three of which were played right here in Cleveland. So some great news. Sandy Alomar staying with the Tribe. We talked to him a little bit earlier this week about his decision, and he said it just feels right being a part of the Indians coaching staff? Well, I feel like uh, I put so much investment in our guys, and uh, this organization has treated me pretty good. So I, I feel like uh, the situation that with, with the White Sox is a great situation, but at, at this point, I, don't, I didn't feel like it was the right time. Uh, I feel like I have, you know, uh, unfinished business with the, with the tribe. I would like to see this. These, all this hard work and all these guys working to get better uh, work out. I want to see the, the, the fruits of, of these young guys come together and be able to, to win championships. And I, I want to be a part of it. And we'll talk a little bit about the specific catchers shortly, but when you look at, at your affinity with the Indians, what it means to be a part of the Cleveland Indians because of your playing career and now the length of time you've been a coach, uh, how important is it to stay with the Indians because of everything that's happened in your career, both playing and coaching, uh, with the tribe? Well, as you know, I spent the bulk of my career uh, as a player with the Indians. It's an organization that uh, I feel very comfortable working with. 
I have uh, a group of guys that I work with that make, make, make they make it easier for me. And uh, it's a lot of fun when you go uh, and accept challenges, especially uh, first base. People think that first base coach is just picking up helmets and batting gloves. And a lot of people say, well, why do you have a catcher uh, in first base when you know, they didn't steal bases? But there's a lot of things that go on that catchers know about pitchers and catchers and times and, and, and pitch that the good base runners don't have. You know, a lot of base runners just go in these things. You gotta have some idea when to go and you know what pitches coming and stuff like that that are slower for the plate. So there's a lot of things you can take it to a different level. I take so much pride on that and and just to be efficient base running uh, and, and instead of just just going out there and just getting thrown out. Um, I, I I love that part of it. I love the part that I get the chance to work with catching and Langons or Roberto Perez. They're among the two best in the league and. Those guys make it a lot easier for me. And you mentioned the base running end of it and being a first base coach. And I think so often when you, you judge base running, you just look at stolen bases. But going first to third, maybe scoring from first base on, on a base hit that, that maybe shouldn't have happened where, where a runner should have been held at third, but is able to score because of good jumps. And, and you look at base runners who maybe aren't that speedy, but take that extra base. How much of of what you do comes into play there, taking that extra base and scoring some extra runs that maybe wouldn't be there? Well, uh, so it depends. Uh, well, Brad Mills handles the base running, per se. You know, he's the fundamental for base running. And when I'm there with him, listening to whatever he has to say to, to help the guys, you know, become better base running. He, he's in charge of that. He's been training and doing the season. Uh, what I do is I, I give every piece of information to the to the runner about outfield's arm and how much sleep you can get. You know, the ball hits here, you should be able to make it to third base. The ball hits, you know, the line blind hit passes, you know, this area is going to be hard for you. So always the positioning, you know, you got to give the guy what good of a lead you can get. This guy throws from behind. Uh, this guy throws the first base before he gets set. Things like that. It's like an awareness. You give him awareness and keep it on the turf. Establish your lead early. Uh, one of the problems you have in baseball is that, you know, there's so much chatting on the bases with the players these days that drive you nuts. But uh, <laughs> you have to make sure you have to continue to to tell them to, uh, hey, you know, watch the ball all the time, stop talking, just go from first to third. You're like, you know, you're again, it's a score. When you're first base, you want guys that want to be in second and third right away. And, and that's one of the things we try to, you know, like you see the Royals, that's what they do. They get on first base and they go to go from first to third from first to home. But, you know, that goes in stages. Was that how it was when you played? Was there as much chatter at first base as you see nowadays? Oh, I, I have never seen, in, you know, the, the socialism in, on the bases. Like, they're not serious now, but... Uh, in the past, no, in the past, you didn't, you didn't chat that much. You, you didn't say, how you doing, uh, you know, looking at your career, whatever, you know, the season. But in that game, I'm there to beat you, man. I, I'm there to get on first base and take the second pitch my hour or whatever. I'm not there to have conversation. You can, before, they, 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 there was that line that they say to you all the time, take him out to dinner after the game, you know. <laughs> that line is not used anymore. What are these so, guys possibly talking about during the game? <laughs> uh, talking, it's fun, man. You, you, you stand there and you go like, are you serious in this conversation right now? Well, they talk about the game, but stuff like that. But it's kind of hard 
to turn the button, switch button on, you know, uh, the awareness button on right away. You have to just like pay attention to details right away. Uh, but that's the, that, that's the biggest thing in baseball now that you see guys, you know, chatting a lot on the bases. So you have to, it's, it's part of my responsibility to make sure that they don't <laughs> have time. Boy, who knew is uh, that would be a, a key for a first base coach. But uh, Sandy, we talked about catching, and you mentioned Jan Gomes and uh, Roberto Perez, and we are joined by Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, just re-signed with the Indians for a, a nice contract extension to remain on the coaching staff. And I know both Jan and Roberto have gone out of their way to talk about the the impacts that you have made on their careers, especially defensively. Catching's a, a tough, demanding position physically. How do you keep things fun for them, both in spring training and then during the regular season, to make them want to come back out there and, and continue to work at their craft? Well, the main thing is, uh, uh, Rosie, is that you got to have the catchers have fun. You have to involve them in, in the workout. You know, you have to have conversations with them, and you have to see what, what works for each single one of them. You know, everything I it's not going to work for for every guy, but you can you can enhance it a little bit by you know listening to other guys and say okay this is what works for this guy. I, I try to communicate with other catching guys and especially Chris Tremmy is being pretty good to me. Uh, I I think that uh, he has an idea, great idea because because he has some of these guys in the minor league before. But Yang Gong, we didn't we didn't we didn't have him in the minor league. He came from Toronto, but. Uh, the one thing I can tell you about them that is so coachable that makes it great to work with, and uh, that's a, that's the most important thing. You know, if, if when a player say, "Okay, I'm yours," and you, I want to, I want to know and, and understand it's about catching, and, and you don't see, but but without being said, after everything you do, I explain what you're doing, and when they see the results, then they keep coming. It really is, it works. So like. Uh, we have a system that we we uh, we have routines that we put in place so we don't make it boring. But but in the same time, we are getting work done. <clears throat> when you look at Jan Gomes, and when he's throwing well, it doesn't seem to matter who the base runner is. He can throw them out trying to steal at second base. What makes him uh, as good as they come in the game when he's on the top of his game? Well... He's uh he has such a quick feet. Sometimes you have to slow him down a little bit because he's are so quick his transfer can catch up, and that's what makes him so uh, so. You know he's he doesn't throw it like a normally jazz step catcher. He kind of does a scissor move with his feet, and he's kind of like a front throwing catcher, which both shoulders are facing the base instead of the left shoulder facing the base. So he's, he he has both eyes always looking at the target. I mean, it's a little more stress in your arm, but in reality, it's, it's like uh, if you see a pitcher when they, when they think they're released, you see a pitcher with both shoulders going towards the catcher and both eyes going to the play. And uh, yeah, it kind of throws similar to us. But the thing about it, he has such a strong legs, his arm, you know, he stays, you know, fresh most of the year. Uh, he, you know, he can get in trouble when. When he waits for the ball too long, because then instead of going forward, then he'll transfer back, back where he loses ground. But he, he's, been, he's been remarkable to work with. 
And with Roberto Perez, you had mentioned the work that Chris Tremi, the, the AAA manager, has done with some of the young catchers. And when he came up, he had the reputation as a good defensive catcher. And, and what have you seen from him that, that makes him so strong defensively? Well, Roberto, yeah, he's, uh, well, he's, he grew up catching, all, you know, since he was a kid. And he has that, he has that gift. Like, uh, he got his soft hands, he got a quick jab step, uh, uh, the one thing that Roberto sometimes does is he some, sometimes Roberto goes over the ball when he's when he's gonna throw the baseball when he's gonna attack it goes over, and when you go over the ball, what it does your rear end comes out, and when your rear end comes down if it's a breaking ball, then when you throw the ball to the bases, it's gonna probably sink a little bit, it's gonna be off target, you know, spike the ball, and that's one of the things he worked very hard this year with his footwork. He just to make sure that he catches the ball and then try, and then uses his feet and you know transfer, but no. Not going over the ball, just staying under it, and he worked out so hard this, this season. He was so accurate; it was unbelievable to watch see the results that that uh, he was one of the best in the league. I appreciate you coming by. This is uh, fun to catch up, and uh, great to know that that you'll be back for a couple of more seasons with the Indians. Enjoy the rest of the off season. Thank you too, Ralphie. Thank you very much. That's Indians first base coach Sandy Alomar Jr. He'll be back with the team for the next couple of seasons after an offseason in which he talked with the Chicago White Sox about a position on their coaching staff. No managerial discussions this season in the offseason for Sandy Alomar, but certainly that's been on the back burner for him the past couple of years as he's interviewed for several major league jobs. But the Indians happy to have him back as their first base coach once again, a position that he was first named to back in November of 2009 as a part of Manny Acta's first coaching staff with the Tribe. When we come back, we'll head west to Arizona and talk Arizona Fall League, a farm report of sorts. Even though it's uh, this time of the year, we'll check in with Indians assistant hitting coach Matt Quatrero. Matt is the manager of the Scottsdale Scorpions out in the Arizona Fall League, and he'll fill us in on some of the Indians' prospects out there, particularly Clint Frazier, former top draft pick of the Tribe, who has really made some noise in this 2015 season, and that has continued out in Arizona. That's still to come as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Hey, Flo here, and this is my impression of an easily overwhelmed person finding out about progressive service centers. A whole center devoted to helping me if I get into an accident? Oh, that's too much. You drop your car off, they manage repairs, and if you need a rental, they give you one on site? Holy baloney macaroni, what will they think of next? Taking the hassle out of making a claim. Now that's progressive. I forgot how to breathe. Does the air go in my nose and out my mouth or the other way around? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Service centers not available in all areas. You have a choice of repair facilities. Meet Madeline. Record collector. Call me Maddie. Maddie's smart, but doesn't know her bank charges a monthly fee. A monthly fee? Yeah. I could use that money on music. Yep. Like rock flute. Uh Uh-huh. Tuba slow jams. Okay. Dance yodeling. Sure. Switch to a KeyBank hassle-free account with no monthly minimum balance or overdraft fees and get $100 when transaction requirements are met. For details about this offer or how to get $300, go to key.com slash switch now or any KeyBank branch. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. We rejoin you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Jim Rosenhouse back with you on this week's show. And in a little bit, we'll have an update on the World Series, a full report 
from New York City as the series shifted to New York. Friday night, a resounding Mets win to keep things interesting as the Royals were very impressive in two victories in Kansas City earlier this week. Heading into Saturday night, the Royals with a two games to one lead in the best of seven fall classic. And again, we'll have a report on that shortly. But we go to the other end of the spectrum. Young players still trying to make it to the major leagues and many of them playing in the Arizona Fall League, a great prospect league that takes place at many of the spring training ballparks for clubs out in Arizona. And the Indians no different. They are managed by Matt Quattrero, the Indians' assistant hitting coach for the past couple of seasons. And Matt managing something that he did back in the Tampa Bay Rays organization in their minor leagues and now having a chance to manage some of the Indians' prospects in the Arizona Fall League. He manages the Scottsdale Scorpions, and that's a team made up not only of Indians' prospects but also the Tigers, the Twins, the Giants, among others. So it's a real mixed bag of young players. Nine different players from the Indians' farm system are there, and the most notable their number two prospect overall and a former first-round draft pick for the Tribe, Clint Frazier, who had an outstanding season this year, particularly in the second half of the year, playing at single-A Lynchburg in the Carolina League. And uh, this for a young player who is uh, just hitting his 20s and just reaching the single-A level to be able to play in the Arizona Fall League and have success is really a a good sign for a young player trying to make that climb quickly through the system. The numbers on Frazier this year hit 285 with a career-best 16 home runs and 72 runs driven in, throw in 15 stolen bases, and you have a pretty good all-around player. And it really clicked in in the second half of the season as he hit 325 in the second half with nine of his 16 home runs and drove in 37 RBIs over the season's last two months. So it really came together for Clint Frazier, and how's he doing in the Fall League so far? 11 games in through games of Friday. He's hitting 356 already with three home runs and eight runs driven in. So some great things happening there, and that's obviously a, a big topic of conversation with his manager, Matt Quotero, who we caught up with the other day walking to the ballpark in Scottsdale, where the Giants have their spring training home. That's where the Scottsdale Scorpions play their games, and and we couldn't get too deep into the conversation with Matt before first finding out the weather situation in Arizona. Hasn't been too bad out here yet, but it is always perfect out in the Valley of the Sun. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Rosie. It's uh, you know it's a tough day out here right now. It's a little overcast and probably about 75, so uh, we're struggling a little bit with the clouds, but we'll do okay. <laughs> and you... Uh, you take a, an advantage of that and, and walk to work every day, I understand. Yeah, I'm living about a mile from the ballpark and uh, walk there, walk in, walk home. It's pretty nice. Now, the, the league, a couple of weeks in, and, and I know a player that the Indians are very high on. We heard a lot about him over the course of the summer with a nice breakthrough year at the single-A level. And it sounds like in a very tough league, he's off to a nice start. We're talking about outfielder Clint Frazier. What's he done to, to really elevate his game in a, a real difficult environment in terms of having success for a younger player? Boy, I'll tell you what, Rosie, he's very talented. I mean, everything you've heard is is dead on. I mean, he's got tremendous bat speed. He's incredibly strong. And he has a great desire to be good. So he uh, he's starting to believe in himself, I think. You know, I, I haven't seen him play before, uh, just hearing the – 
hearing the reports on him. Everybody's been accurate. You know, he's a young guy who's maturing uh, in professional baseball, um, on the field and off. And he's been doing some really nice things at the plate. He's He's been aggressive. You know, a lot of guys out here have good fastballs, and he's looking to to hit. He's ready to hit when he gets in the box. He's been aggressive, and he's been using the whole field. Probably the most uh, impressive thing about him is he's he's got two home runs. They're both to right field, and they're both legitimate, um, you know, 400-plus-foot homers to right field. So he's uh, he's been everything as advertised. And always interesting on how a player might get used in the Arizona Fall League, you, you have to balance, I'm sure, taking care of, of the Indians' prospects, but also the other clubs want, want the best for their players, too. Frazier's in that leadoff spot, and, and how do you manage working the other prospects and also getting the best out of him and, and putting him in the best position to succeed? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, it is a little bit of a balancing act, you know. Um, some of the guys on the team are mandated to play four days a week, and that's that's uh, the role Clint is in. And at the same time, um, he is our only true center fielder. So it's not hard to get him those four days. Um, the other guys, you know, we rotate around. Um, Clint's going to get exposed to some left field, some right field as well, um, so that when he does get his chance in the big leagues, you know, he's he's experienced those things. But, you know, with getting the other team's players in there, it's not really an issue. I mean, we play six days a week, and uh, – we have the benefit here of a lot of versatility on the guys that we have. So guys can move positions, and that makes it easy to, to get everybody in. And Todd Hankins is another player I know would, uh, is seeing some significant playing time. What are you seeing there from him? Boy, he's a grinder. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that's probably never been on anybody's top prospect list. Um, he's you know a little undersized, but he plays hard, and he plays multiple positions I've had him at all three outfield positions and second base already, which is his natural position. Um, but he's been taking some really quality at bats. He's one of the things he came out here to work on is kind of take what the pitcher gives him. I guess in the past he's been a little over anxious, and so he's been he's had a great approach when he gets a pitch to hit. He's aggressive on it, but if not, he's he's been taking his walks, and I think that's been a big uh, big positive for him. You mentioned things to work on, and and. How big a part of, of being in the Arizona Fall League is just that as opposed to, to maybe worrying about wins and losses on a day-to-day basis? Oh, I mean, that's it completely. Um, you know, every organization sends specific goals out for these guys to concentrate on, and we had individual meetings with every player before the season started, and we continue to talk to them on a daily basis to make sure that they're trying to accomplish those things. Um, you know, for pitchers, if a guy needs to throw more change-ups, he goes out there regardless of the game situation and works on throwing his change-up against good competition. And, uh, you know, for hitters, the pitcher dictates what's going on out there, so you can't just say, I'm going to hit every ball to right field or I'm going to only look for fastballs because sometimes it's not possible. But, you know, they, they concentrate their work in the cage and during BP on the things that they're trying to trying to improve on and, just having it as a mental focus and talking about it is helpful uh, for those guys to make sure that they're working towards something. And the wins and losses in this league are are definitely a secondary a secondary thing. We, you know, guys pitch when it's their turn to pitch, and guys play. You know, the lineup is made out a couple days in advance, so it's very uh, very much a player development league. 
That's Matt Quatero, Indians assistant hitting coach and the manager of the Scottsdale Scorpions in the Arizona Fall League. A lot to like out there, particularly Indians prospects, not only Clint Frazier, but utility man. And we say that because he's uh, an infielder by trade, but seeing some time in the outfield to increase his versatility. But Todd Hankins also having a very strong Arizona Fall League as well. Stay with us. We'll talk big leagues when we come back. The World Series continuing tonight in New York as uh, Saturday night brings us Game 4 in the Fall Classic at City Field in New York with the Royals leading the series two games to one. That report coming your way next on the Indians Radio Network. What shade is your team spirit? Are your lucky blue socks unwashed from last week's win? Is your ninth inning charm a green hat that looks best inside out? Is your faded brown mitt held high for that white comet hurling directly toward please let it be seat number 127? Or do you prefer to simply sit back and paint your seat with tan peanut shells? Whatever your shade of team spirit, you'll find the colors that reflect it only at Sherwin-Williams. Visit your neighborhood store or SherwinWilliams.com today. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of someone calling into Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, this is Flo, longtime caller, first time on air. I just wanted to say that I think it is absolute hogwash not to go out there and try Progressive's Name Your Price tool. You can see all your coverage options, and options are how you get rings, championship rings, and parades of rings. Finding options to fit your budget with the Name Your Price tool, only at Progressive.com. You know, not for nothing, but my favorite rings have candy on them. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Sarah. Hi. Sarah is at the game, but if she buys anything, she'll go below her account's minimum balance and get charged a fee. Uh, so no hot dogs? No. No foam, we're number one finger? Nope. Yuck. Switch to a KeyBank hassle-free account with no monthly minimum balance or overdraft fees. Get full details at key.com slash switch now or any KeyBank branch. Member FDIC and Banking Home of the Indians. Tribe fans, you can become a season ticket holder for less than $40 a month. Make a deposit today to receive up to 20% off single-game tickets and priority access to opening day tickets and postseason games. Season ticket holders also get access to exclusive VIP player events and more. Don't miss a minute of the action. Get the best seats, the best prices, and the best perks with Indian season tickets. Call 216-420-HITS or visit Indians.com to find out more. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Our off-season show is continuing, but the World Series also continuing in New York City this weekend. On Friday night, Game 3, the Mets made things interesting after being down 0-2 heading into Game 3. New York with a 9-3 victory over the Royals behind the strong pitching of Noah Syndergaard. That's after Kansas City won the opener of the World Series in 14 innings. A dramatic game, Alex Gordon with a home run to tie it in the ninth inning, and then the Royals winning it on a sack fly from Eric Hosmer in the 14th. 5-4 to four the final in the World Series opener on Tuesday night. Then Wednesday night, a dominant performance by KC. 7-1 to one winners behind the complete game pitching of Johnny Cueto. And then when it looked like the Royals might be on the verge of making it a very quick World Series victory, the Mets with that impressive 9-3 to victory in Game 3 on Friday night. We are joined now by Anthony Kastrovitz, longtime columnist now for MLB.com and a prior 
beat reporter for the Indians on Indians.com. He's been covering the World Series for MLB.com. He's in New York City. And, uh, Anthony, after Game 3, things seemingly taking a turn for the better in terms of drama in this World Series as uh, it had been kind of a pedestrian series to this point. Looked like Kansas City might roll, but things changing a little bit now after the Mets' victory in Game 3. Yeah, I do, Rosie, and uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. You know, game one obviously was a, a crazy game, a close game, um, and a game that, you know, in many senses came down to a mistake by a, a great closer, Jerry Familiar, uh, giving up the, the home run to Alex Gordon to tie it in the ninth, and the Royals go on to win it in extras. Um, but but in those first two games, you never felt like the Mets were really playing their game. Uh, you know, Matt Harvey. And Jacob Degrom, the way they pitched, they're they're kind of trying to pitch around the Royals and a lot more off-speed stuff that they didn't uh, necessarily command or or you know get get chases with. Uh, they weren't really sticking with their fastball, and then their offense was was really falling flat, just one extra base hit. So right away in Game Two, not only did you have Syndergaard not only trusting his fastball, but maybe overly trusting it and almost uh, decapitating LCD's Escobar right in the first pitch. Uh, but then he settled in and, and he stuck to his strengths and the offense got back to its strengths. Uh, you know, uh, the, the home runs early on from David Wright and uh, Curtis Granderson got them going from a power game and, and uh, Syndergaard took it from there. So I, it was very much a, a return to normalcy for the Mets and uh, a, a way of getting this series on track. And post-game, Noah Syndergaard with the comments about that first pitch that went over the head of Escobar. Uh making no apologies for where he was going. And were you surprised at that? Did it come out of nowhere? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, the, the guy, you, I haven't dealt with him much, but you, I mean, you see the look of him. He looks like a guy who would be pretty confident. <laughs> He's a big kid, a, a strapping uh, Viking looking young man. Um, so that, I, I thought that was a, a pretty cool response because, uh, you know, we, we all know the situation there. LC Zespar is having an insane October, first of all. And he does crowd the plate, and he's aggressive at the plate. So it makes sense to, to back him off it and establish on that first pitch, like, hey, that, that's my plate. You know, that was kind of old school in that way. It's just that I think Syndergaard was pretty amped up in the situation. Ball gets away from him. I, I don't think he intended to hit LCD's Escobar in the head. And he didn't hit him in the head, of course, but because um, that would be a, a really awful way to begin a ball game with, uh, with, you know, not only hitting an opposing player in the head, but um, – you know, having a base runner, uh, just fundamentally, that's not a good way to start. I think the balls got away from the Royals. You know, they were right to be upset about it, but I think uh, I think their thoughts and complaints were um, a bit on the excessive scale because bottom line is they didn't do much talking with their bats after the fact. Uh, Jordano Ventura did not pitch well, and they lost the game. And that sort of thing happens, but, you know, we'll see what happens now. And Syndergaard uh, kind of up the ante with his postgame comments and uh, – um, you know, the, the, the Royals are, are feeling miffed, which is something that they've used to push them forward all season. You know, they felt miffed with the way people uh, projected their season after their AL pennant win, and nobody picked them to get back to this point. So so here we are again, and, uh, you know, we'll see what they, uh, what they do with their anger. And there were some issues early in the season for Kansas City in yeah. terms of, of... – beanball wars and and altercations early on in the season and at a certain point it sounded like some of the players said hey we we need to focus on baseball here is some of that creeping back in a little bit here 
I think a little bit, and ironically enough, a lot of that revolved around uh, a lot of that revolved around Jordano Ventura, who was last, who was uh, you know the game three starter opposite Syndergaard, uh, ironically enough. But um, you know he it, it all came down to him wanting to establish the inner part of the plate and and getting into some altercations with opposing players, and then uh, you know not having his emotions in check really. Um, and then as the season went along, you know Ventura was struggling, and they had to tell him to get back to that strength of pitching inside. So, you know, it, it's kind of funny now to be in this situation where the Royals are upset about a guy trying to pitch inside because they know as well as anybody uh, what it's like to have a, a young hothead on the mound, um, and that's his strength. Going back to a major story from Game 1 and something that could impact uh, later on in the series, Edinson Volquez uh, pitched with his father having passed away earlier in the day from from what you've uh, heard of just being around the ballpark after that game, the way the Royals handled it and, and what's to come here in terms of his future starts in the World Series, uh, how do you think that went, and, and what do you see in terms of him being available the remainder of the series? Yeah, that was definitely a sensitive situation. Um, you know, we all knew about Edinson Volquez's father passing away before he did, um, it, and that's that seems to be the, the bottom line here. Um, so the Royals had to manage this thing, and Ned Jost had to pull Chris Young aside and say, hey, we might need you to start on short notice um, if Edison can't go. But apparently Edison's uh, wife um, made it clear to the Royals that she didn't want him to know until after the game. So uh, he was told about it after the game. Very So they, they win that insane game, um, but then this this kind of uh, yeah, this heartbreaking news kind of overshadows that a little bit. But uh, so he left, obviously, to uh, go back to Dominican. He will now uh, rejoin the team uh, before Game 4, and, and he's saying he'll be ready. He'll be ready to pitch in Game 5. So uh, it's going to be an emotional experience for him, I'm sure. Uh, he, you know, he, he gave them a quality start in Game 1, and uh, and and they're going to need that again, obviously, in, in, game, in Game 5. But uh, he'll be pitching with a heavy heart for sure. And it's just crazy, Rosie, because – the third member of this team to lose a parent this season. Uh, Mike Moustakis lost his mother. Chris Young lost his father. Chris Young, actually, he learned about his father's death and then went out and pitched uh, before he left for the funeral and pitched five no-hit innings uh, with a heavy heart. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that this team has had to deal with this this often, but they've they've shown the ability to deal with it. Uh, Moustakis actually got really hot at the plate around the time of his mother's death. Uh, I don't know if there was something about that that allowed him to lock in or what but um but again it's 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 abnormal to see uh this much tragedy affecting one clubhouse but they uh they keep pushing forward with it and just a side note on chris young that that game that he pitched the the day after or day of his father passing was against the indians in kansas yes. city yep. anthony actually rode down on an elevator with him uh before that game had a, a great conversation you would have never known that yeah. uh, he had a heavy heart. It was it was amazing. It really was. Nobody found out about that until until after his start against the Indians. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, he's an impressive guy on a, on a lot of levels. And uh, you know, as we go into Game Four, obviously he is a focal point. Um, it's it's an intriguing matchup. It's it, it's this old guy uh, who's who's really reinvented his career. Uh, both last year and this year, and even really, you could say even more this year than last year. Last year, he's comeback player of the year, 
And then this year, nobody wanted to touch him because they didn't believe in the peripheral numbers, and uh, they were worried about the way he wore down down the stretch with Seattle last year. Um, but to his credit, you know, he, he's been healthy. The Royals needed him several times uh, in their rotation um, when the rotation had some injury issues or what have you, and he stepped up in a big way. And now here he is pitching game four of the World Series, which is something you could not have imagined uh, when he was still very much available in free agency going into spring training, early in spring training. Uh, so he's had a remarkable rise here, and he's, and he's opposing a young kid in Stephen Matz, you know, a young fireballer from Long Island who wake up, uh, you know, wakes up before Game Four uh, in his parents' house and drives over to the ball game. Um, could not have two more different uh, stories or, or two different, two more different pitchers for Game Four, and that's what makes it such a great matchup. Can Chris Young be the first back-to-back comeback player of the year award winner? Can you be a comeback player of the year after you're the comeback player of the year? I think that this is a this is one of the better comeback player of the year pools uh, I can remember um, for the American League this year because you got Alex Rodriguez, who you know he's coming back from unique circumstances to say the least, and, and had a um, just had an incredible season. Uh, Kendrys Morales. Uh, on the Royals, you know, he was a guy that was uh, somewhat toxic in free agency because of the way his career was sagging, but he came back in a huge way from, from our perspective. Prince Fielder, the season he had. So, uh, so yeah, if you, if you can win it twice, Rosie, Chris Young's uh, got a lot of tough competition on that front. And have you been able to make the pilgrimage about two hours south down to the Jersey Shore in Asbury Park uh, just to take you know, in Rosie, the sights and uh, sounds of Springsteen? Anything along those lines? I, I saw... It turned out to be unfounded, but I did see a rumor that Bruce Springsteen was going to show up at the Stone Pony on Friday night, and I was thinking, you know, I'm at World Series Game Three, and I'm and I'm like daydreaming about being in some dingy bar on the Jersey Shore, but that's just kind of the way my my brain operates. But he didn't show up, and uh, the Mets did show up, so now we've got a legit World Series, and uh, maybe Springsteen will will turn up at one of the games. Who knows? Hey, as someone who grew up not far from the Stone Pony. He's supposed to show up every night of every weekend, and it never happens. So Exactly, yeah. It's, it's a lot of false alarms down there, and, and it's great marketing for the Stone Pony. Yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm sure they do pretty well there just on the, uh, the feel of, of that possibility. Hey, Anthony, thanks so much for the perspective on the series. It has a, a chance here to, to develop into something pretty special, it seems like anyway, and, and – and I know last night or Friday night's game three seemed to really point it in that direction. It did. I, I still I have this feeling. I don't know if it happens here in New York, but it just feels like the Royals year, Rosie. Um, you know, they ran into a, a, an unstoppable force in Madison Bumgarner last year. But just the way they play the game and putting the ball in play and not striking themselves out of innings and playing good defense, um, you know, those things obviously didn't help them in Game Three, but I really think they're going to win this World Series. I really think it's uh, it's their moment, and I think they're going to do it. A lot of hard work by a lot of people in that organization, certainly, yeah. and uh, they're looking for that to come through over the next couple of days. Anthony, thanks so much for coming by. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Rosie. We'll see you. That's Anthony Castrovince, columnist for MLB.com, reporting from New York on the World Series. Stay with us. Our final segment comes your way shortly after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. You know that little voice in your head that always says this? Don't eat that. You'll regret it in more ways than one. You should hear what it says about the protein-packed Subway Sweet Onion Chicken Teriyaki. Ooh, tender all-white meat teriyaki glazed chicken. Crisp veggies, sweet onion sauce, all on freshly baked bread and under 400 calories? This is better than good! The legendary Sweet Onion Chicken Teriyaki. Sounds great, doesn't it? 
Subway, eat fresh. Calories refer to regular six-inch subs on white or nine-grain wheat, but prepared to standard formula. See subway.com for fat-saturated fat, cholesterol, sodium content, and full nutritional info. What shade is your team spirit? Are your lucky blue socks unwashed from last week's win? Is your ninth-inning charm a green hat that looks best inside out? Is your faded brown mitt held high for that white comet hurtling directly toward please let it be seat number 127? Or do you prefer to simply sit back and paint your seat with tan peanut shells? Whatever your shade of team spirit, you'll find the colors that reflect it only at Sherwin-Williams. Visit your neighborhood store or SherwinWilliams.com today. Talk our final segment, just a short segment to wrap things up on this week's show. Some things to keep an eye on as the World Series, by the time we reach you for next weekend's show, will be complete, barring weather delays. But uh, we'll start to keep an eye on those postseason awards, most notably the Rookie of the Year in the American League, Francisco Lindor, certainly a prime contender, the Indian shortstop with a fantastic rookie season. That's going to do it for this edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. Jim Rosenhouse joining you as always, and we'll catch up with you again next week right here on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. You've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat.